Rose McGowan, Brody Dahl from The Distillers, Morticia Adams, Elvira, Dita Von Teese, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Vampira, Amy Lee from Evanescence. These are all women that I think embody the ultimate Lilith energy. But who is Lilith and why should we care about her? Well, I'll tell you why, my babes. As feminists, as women and femmes, as witches, we all have Lilith in us. She's a loud and imposing voice when silence is demanded of us. She's in need for freedom from the conventional fences that the patriarchy erects around us. She's a fight for our inherent feminine equality when we've been taught our whole lives that we're not equal. She's a rebelliousness that requires courage and confidence. She's a sexuality that's begging to be explored. This is what the goddess Lilith represents, my loves. She's the first mother, the first feminist, the first witch, and she is gravely misunderstood and wildly powerful as an archetype. Lilith represents feminine disobedience and resistance to male power. And what is more delicious than that? I'm Sarah. I'm a Lilith devotee. This is Reclaiming and Girls to the Fucking Front. you babes did you survive the eclipse it was pretty wild for me uh lots of deep listening lots of thinking and writing and quiet moments and also living it up because hey it's an eclipse and we only get one life right my friend uh she's an amazing sex podcaster took me she'll be on reclaiming soon actually she took me to a show uh exactly what i needed um needed to be around people needed to laugh needed to dance needed to have fun i'm an extrovert so much but i work too much these days and sometimes i forget that i need to be around people to survive. So it's really nice when someone says, hey, don't think about it. Just say yes and come to this thing with me. It's nice to be pulled out of my little cocoon um, by people that care about me. So anyway, I hope you're doing well. Welcome to Reclaiming. This is the weekly podcast where we spark a revolution from within because that's how all revolutions start, right? I'm Sarah. My pronouns are she, her. I am a writer, an artist, a witch, a pole dancer in Los Angeles. And I'm really happy to have you here. I actually am like finally able to say artist now because when I introduce myself, because I've always been an artist and I've never really felt like I could actually call myself one um, for whatever reason until the other day. I And then like I just blame it on the eclipse. I realized what the fuck? I can absolutely call myself an artist. Um, I make art almost every day. So yeah, Lilith would be proud. Um, if you're new here, welcome. There are quite a few new faces and names popping up in the newsletter, which makes me so incredibly happy. I cannot thank you enough for joining us. Also, our listener count is climbing steadily. Um, I know that one of my videos recently on Instagram hit some kind of algorithmic wave last week. Got a new bunch of new listeners here because of that. So welcome to all of those beautiful new faces. I promise this is the beginning of a beautiful and loud and amazing friendship and partnership. Thank you for being here. And to our veteran reclaimers. Hi, my loves. I love you so, so, so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being here again week after week with me. It means so much. If you could please continue sharing this podcast, that's how a lot of the new listeners are coming. Um, 
through uh, word of mouth and just sharing. So if you could continue to share this podcast, put it on your stories, whatever, I don't care. I love you so much. Thank you. I just want to get more people in this movement. Um, it would be so amazing. So thank you so much. And I love you. And I say this every week, but if you could please head to Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening, give this podcast a five-star rating and review. That would help me so much. I absolutely hate relying on some tech bros algorithm. And I've been shadow banned to hell recently on both of my Instagram accounts. So it would be really nice if one of the various algorithms actually showed my work to the people that I want to hear it. (laughs) Also, if you're not signed up for Reclaiming the Newsletter, please go do it. It hits your inbox every Monday. Same with this podcast. It's basically like the left hand of this podcast. Um, They go together like peas and carrots, as Forrest Gump would say. (laughs) You can sign up at the website, reclaimeffingeverything.com. That's reclaim, E-F-F-I-N-G, everything.com. And last thing before I jump into the topic, thank you so much for letting me take the week off last week. Um, I know there are people that are like, what the fuck? Where is the episode? Um, It was crazy and wild. I have a lot of stories from our trip to Boston and Salem. One day I will find the right place to tell them all, but (laughs) I'm back. I don't anticipate skipping weeks, although uh, sometimes life gets a little crazy and I will always choose my health above my work, right? I know you understand. I love you. Um, Okay, house has been kept. This week is Mother's Day week, my loves. And I was going to talk about the biological clock because that is something that I am dealing with and thinking about a lot these days as I turn 36 in a couple of weeks, but I thought it might be too heavy. So, So um, I'm really trying to listen to my intuition more with this work. And I promised a few weeks ago to cover Lilith. She is my matron goddess. And I really like the idea of kind of peppering my very witchy episodes in with all the other, you know, burn the patriarchy episodes. So this week I'm talking about Lilith. She is the first mother, the mother of feminists, mother vampire, mother witch, mother demon and lady Satan. Lilith is my absolute favorite archetype in mythology and I cannot wait to share this story and all of everything I know about Lilith. I've been working with her for a few years now, and I can't tell you the liberation that I've gotten since working with her. I'm just really excited to have you here. Um, You don't have to be a witch to appreciate Lilith or listen to this episode. You can just, you know, be exactly as you are if you're just interested in, um, you know, feminist shit, which apparently you are because you're listening to this. Okay, let's let's get on with the topic. Lilith is a very powerful archetype. I will explain what an archetype is in witchcraft in a little bit and how to work with one. But first, I wanted to give you a little bit a little primer on witchcraft, just because I know we do have new listeners and I know that that word immediately closes some people off. So stay with me for this because I get so many questions about witchcraft and so many, um, you know, emails and messages from people who are interested. And this is one topic that I think will really pique your interest if that's you. Um, Okay. So be a brief primer in witchcraft. Witchcraft is not a, you know, one size fits all. Witchcraft is very much an individualistic kind of practice. So when I say we, I kind of mean me and people I know. And again, it's not, you know, prescriptive. It's very individualistic. So take what um, resonates with you with with everything that I'm going to share and leave the rest um, because really it's up to you to work with the power of Lilith and what she can bring into your life that this archetype. Um, but we literally believe that every single thing we encounter is just made up of energy, right? Everything is energy. And witchcraft is really just learning how to work with it by putting intention into it. We can't stop nature from doing her thing. But what we can do 
is align our intention, our goals, our our desires with the energy around us, whether it's natural or human made to better propel us to that outcome. For example, on a full moon, we can't control that it's full moon, right? Um, And that full moons usually cause some kind of chaos, good or bad. We do know the moon controls the tides and bodies of water and our bodies are made up of 70% water. And it would be stupid to think that we're not affected by the moon cycles, right? And if you're a person that menstruates, consider the fact that the moon cycle and our body cycles are each 28 days with a release of some sort. So we can say it's a full moon tonight. My body is doing X, Y or Z thing. I'm feeling very energetic creatively. Maybe I can harness this creative burst of energy to start a project I've been thinking of for so long. So that's just kind of an example of what it means to work with the natural energies of uh, the world, of the earth, of you know, other people, then um, when you harness this energy and learn how to work with it, you can do some kind of spell work or ritual that symbolically aligns all of those natural elements with your body and your mind and your spirit. And the spell always culminates in something releasing it. Like you're going to be, you're going to have something at the end that just, okay, I've aligned my mind, body, spirit, all of the natural elements that, that are swirling around me right now. And then I'm going to release it into the world and let it do its thing. Um, this is where some people throw their ritual stuff into a crossroads or they use sex magic and have an orgasm to release it, or they bury their spell stuff, um, in the ground, whatever from there, that alignment is what will drive you forward. And then whenever you feel that it's faltering, you do another spell. That's, that's what witchcraft is. It's all about cycles, my love. Okay. So now that we have that settled, let's talk about Lilith and Lilith as the first mother of witches. Witches have powers. They are uncanny. They're unholy. They live outside the borders of civilization and they're ostracized because they stand in opposition to the accepted patriarchal values, right? Witches challenge our own impulse to conform. And they remind us that there are unnameable, untamable aspects of ourselves where our passions stagnate and fester because we are told by the patriarchy that they are unacceptable in our modern society. Okay. So that's what a witch is. And actually, actually, you know, you've heard me say this before and I'll say it again. Witches and feminists are basically the same thing in my mind. Um, not for everyone, but, but in my mind, I equate the two. So if you hear me say the word witch, when I'm describing a woman or a femme or someone, um, someone else, uh, chances are they're very, they embody some feminist energy, you know, et cetera. Um, which is remind us that we all have these parts, these parts that don't fit into the conventional idealized feminine that are so much stronger than we know. And that's what the patriarchy is so scared of. We all have these urges to cross borders and blend binaries. And this is where Lilith comes in. She is the goddess that governs independence, sexuality, personal power, and occult wisdom. She's best known um, in the lore, and I will go over that in a second, um, for her voluntary exile from the Garden of Eden. And uh, she's elevated in the eyes of witches and feminists and rebels as kind of the poster girl of unapologetic authenticity. She champions equality and freedom, but she's been painted in a shitty light because the powers that be fear people working with her energy. She has a dark side and we all do. And it's through that darkness where we get our light. It's sparkly light too. It's starry light. It's not fluorescent, shitty, fake light. Okay, you still following me? So Lilith, she's associated with 
power and femininity and sexuality, independence, and the night. She's the archetype of dark femininity and dark sexuality. Her name and her personality are thought to be derived from the class of Mesopotamian demons called Lilu or feminine Lilitu. And the name is actually translated to night monster. It's truly tragic that she was seen as kind of this figure of fear among some cultures until the late 20th century. Many depictions uh, portrayed her as a threat to women. She was a baby thief, the cause of infant death and a seductress of men. But like all powerful witches and women, that is the patriarchy scared of her, right? That is their PR move, (laughs) trying to give her a bad name. So we don't want to work with her because when we do, we transform. We embody sensuality, unbridled independence, untamed passion, darkness, and freedom. Those things all sound so delicious to me, right? And that is what her strength and where her wisdom is. That's that's what we can draw from her. She's the first woman to know that she was equal to a man. Many witches like me choose to work with Lilith because of this. Lilith is a figure who takes no shit. She feels no shame. She keeps going when people paint her in a shitty light because she knows she's powerful and she knows she deserves equality and justice. She's been called a monster and a demon and she's cool with that because she's free. She's the things that women are told not to be. She's the original nasty woman who would not yield. She's the ultimate reclaimer. She says, I'm equal. And if you tell me I'm not, there's going to be a problem. (laughs) She also says, I'm alive. I have sex for pleasure, not just procreation. I am dark. I have shadows. And it's in those shadows where I find my true freedom because I've released every bullshit rule that the patriarchy has imposed on me. And it doesn't have power on me anymore. And if you want to relegate me to the dark, then to the dark I go. (laughs) That's what she says to me. Um, Okay, so that was kind of like my love letter to Lilith. I hope uh, I convinced you to keep listening. Let's brush the surface, though, of her lore and her mythology, which gets very complicated because there are quite a few world religions that have their own interpretation of Lilith. For our purposes, I'm only really going to be referring to her statue in the Abrahamic religions, particularly Christianity, because that's the only one I have personal experience in. But she was actually quite well known in Judaism as well as Islam. But again, I do not have personal experience there. And if you do and would like to chat with me about Lilith, please shout me out. So let's just brush the surface of Lilith's lore, shall we? Lilith's story begins in the Garden of Eden, where she was created from the same clay as Adam to be Adam's wife. When he demanded that she lie below him during sex, which is in the missionary position, the Bible does not specifically say this, but that's what it was. Lilith refused. She insisted that they were equal since they were both made from the same substance. And Adam refused to accept this. So Lilith fled. She just peaced out, never to return. Lilith left the garden and then God sent three angels to bring her back. The angels were called Snivies, Snivzi, and Smogla. I cannot pronounce it, but there's three names. Sounds kind of like a Tolkien character. Um, Tolkien characters, I should say. Uh, but they, they, he sent these three angels to find Lilith that, and they found that she had fled to sea and they followed her there. Once they reached her, though, she told them that she planned to murder babies, but promised that wherever the names of angels, the angels were invoked, she will not be able to do harm. So for centuries, Lilith was feared in Christianity and the Abrahamic religions. She could seduce men and break up marriages in minutes. She was also considered dangerous if you're pregnant or giving birth. Newborn babies and children were threatened by Lilith. In some myths, Lilith is credited with being the first vampire as it was believed that she drank babies' bloods. Another thing that people like to 
think witches do, which they don't. Um, other stories say that Lilith is the mother of the first vampires. As you can tell from this reiteration of her lore, she is painted in a very negative light, right? What if Lilith was completely misunderstood, though? After all, can we really trust what that Abrahamic Bible tells us about her? This is why she's such a major force in modern day feminism. The women's liberation movement of the 1960s brought her back into the focus of feminism as she represented the demand for equality among the sexes in addition to advocating for her own pleasure, not just for Adams. In feminism, she represents fierceness, independence, strength, intelligence, and the prime example of a rebellious woman. She's powerful and unstoppable. She's the symbol of sexual liberation, equality, and fairness. There's a really interesting interpretation of the myth of Eve and the apple that involves Lilith as well. I found in my research uh, really interesting. In the Bible, uh, the serpent is what seduces Eve. Then Eve eats the fruit from the forbidden tree. Some people think that the snake is actually the devil, but the snake is actually a um, symbol of Lilith. And a lot of people think that in the lore, it was Lilith who convinced Eve to take the bite of the fruit of knowledge. And Lilith did this because she wanted to get revenge on Adam. And she wanted to gather Eve in feminine solidarity to take over Adam because it was Adam's power that truly was only in his head because they were equal, right? Of course, this is the patriarchy. This is a analogy of the patriarchy and Lilith's attempts to mobilize Eve weren't successful. And then Eve was blamed for Adam's transgression. One very important part of Lilith's story that cannot be overlooked is her desire to control her own womb. This had, has huge implications for the modern day feminist movement and reproductive justice. Obviously, the desire to control your own body is often mistaken as the lust for power when in reality, God gave her control over her womb and her organs and reproductive organs and the power to decide the fate of creation. God gave her the ability to nurture creation and life, and she feels accountability to do so. So when Adam inflicted his own dominance, she realized that she didn't actually have control over the outcome. So she decided to peace out. Today, as women and femmes and feminists, we honor Lilith's dark feminine and her phases. I'll cover Lilith's connection to the moon in a few minutes, but we understand that like the moon, Lilith possesses lightness and darkness. In feminism, we have searched within our own shadow to understand liberation. This is that darkness I've mentioned. I've talked about shadows and darkness so much. It's just, I think it's something that is so um, not allowed in Christianity. I remember my own time in Christianity uh, where that dark side was something that was never to be accessed. And Lilith tells us there's freedom and liberation in that darkness. In witchcraft and feminism, Lilith also represents glamour, one of the first variations of a witch's spell and the ultimate act of magic. Glamour doesn't necessarily mean lipstick and heels, although it does for some of us. To me, it means playing up the things that shape who we are as individuals, whatever that may be to us. It's self-expression. We're so conditioned to hide certain aspects of ourselves due to the pressures from the patriarchy and much of our behaviors are learned. But Lilith and her insistence on digging deep into the shadow to find those little bits of sparkle, that's glamour. Expressing yourself with the sparkle is empowerment. The archetype of Lilith guides us to see what's really inside and around us at any given moment too. Letting go of distractions to enjoy right now. She's not forward thinking. She's not backwards thinking. She is all about the present. She helps us own what we are right now in this moment. Welcome the good, the bad, the ugly, and all of it because it's all a part of us. The things that we're told not to work with or not let see the light of day are the parts of us that are the most alive and the most interesting. And Lilith gives us permission to play with them and let them out safely. 
Willis' interpretation of glamour, her insistence on living in the present and doing things we're told not to do, also allows us to flaunt these sparkles in the darkness. She says there's no such thing as vanity, and that is something I absolutely agree with. It's something I've heard many of my, you know, heroes and matron saints say, like Elvira and RuPaul. We're told that flaunting uh, what we have is stuck up or slutty or arrogant or chaotic or frivolous. But what if us flaunting is just self-expression, a way for us to let our most intrinsic qualities out for the world to see, a way to shine, connect to the confidence and the way we carry ourselves. Flaunting is what Lilith tells us to do. It's it's self-love in the highest. And I think of my pole dancing this way. Is it slutty? Maybe. Is it vain? Possibly. Do I care? No, because it's one of the places I feel the most myself, the shiniest, the sparkliest. And when we let our true expression out our true glamour and all of its power again that could be heels makeup or whatever you do to express yourself you are advocating for freedom and independence and rebellion all things Lilith specializes in and when we all do it our glow reflects off of each other Lilith also tells us to indulge. She's all about pleasure seeking. Indulgence is pleasure, gratification and satisfaction, and it's luxury. It's a chance to explore your desires and your creativity. Lilith asks us what makes us happy. What are we passionate about? What gives us pleasure and how can we nourish it? She also tells us to defend all of this, to seek the truth and speak the truth. She encourages us to find equality by balancing life's ebbs and flows. She always keeps us on our toes, ready to fight for equality. She helps us stand our ground and to defend ourselves, never apologize for standing up for our rights. She didn't back down from Adam when he wanted to her to get beneath him. She said, fuck that. And she left. This is what she wants us to do. She advocates for, too for picking your battles wisely and know when to bow out. I mentioned indulgence a bit, but I wanted to go a little bit further into her connection to darkness and sex, particularly everything outside of the norm when it comes to sex. Lilith doesn't fuck with vanilla sex, okay? She's bondage. She's BDSM. She's a dommy mommy. She knows exactly what she wants and she is not afraid to get it. When I was healing my religious trauma from purity culture, I had a ton of sexual shame and I invoked Lilith in my in my healing because she gave me the strength to understand that my pleasure was just as important as my partner's. My body was for pleasure and it's not and sex isn't just for procreation. It's for having an orgasm. It's for feeling good. It is for the act of connecting intimately with someone. And that's what Lilith wants us to do. And she wants us to do it in our own ways, <laughs> in our own ways and empower us and uh, let those little pieces shine. Lilith taught me and is still teaching me that not only is pleasure my right, it comes in ways that I might never have assumed. So try it all. Be safe, but try it all and get creative. From her lore, as I outlined before, I'm sure you can imagine that she is the personification of sexual evil, a seductress, a original succubus. In common era Christianity, she was shamed for men's nocturnal omissions. She was also used as a scapegoat for the rape of women. That sounds kind of familiar, right? She's the one that would tell people to fuck off when they asked what she was wearing when she reported sexual violence. She was the ultimate taboo of a woman. Men wanted her, but should never have her. Her glamour, beauty, and sexuality made her powerful by way of man's animalistic impulses. And it scared men, scared the patriarchy. So they vilified her. They basically deified her as a representation of what women shouldn't be. And then they suppressed womankind for this very 
reason. This sounds like I'm talking about modern patriarchy, right? (laughs) But I'm talking about her in the Bible. Like this feels so connected. It makes sense why she's the mother of feminists and the mother of witches. But beyond sex, Lilith represents all non-conforming female behavior. She's supposed to be a warning against these things. She's the dark, dangerous things that women aren't supposed to do in a polite, patriarchal world. But she is rebellion. She is the goddess of independence and rebellion. She's popular among theistic Satanists. I could I could speak to this actually probably ad nauseum. And some Satanists believe that she is the wife of Satan and thus think of her as a mother figure. Others base the reverence for her as uh, for her history as a succubus and praise her as a sex goddess. Okay, so we know who Lilith is in the lore, what she represents, her connection to witchcraft, feminism, rebellion, sexuality, fighting the patriarchy, basically all the things that this podcast is about. (laughs) If you're not a witch and you're not used to working with archetypes, you might be wondering what the hell you're supposed to do with all of this, right? Well, fear not, sweet, gentle, rebellious Lilithian listener, I'll tell you. Let's talk about what archetypes even are and how to work with them really quickly. Carl Jung, is responsible for bringing the concept of archetypes to psychology and therefore to the occult. While Carl Jung did not term, uh, coin the term archetype, he developed a theory that described archetypes as primordial patterns that stem from the collective unconscious or that deep layer of the unconscious that transcends the individual and traverses humanity. That's kind of that, that, that one thing that connects us all together, right? Jung says the collective unconscious is the most essential source of inner empowerment, transformation, and wholeness. That's a lot, right? Kind of a mouthful, which Lilith would be happy about, right? An archetype is basically like the essence of a person or like a role or something. And within that person, role, whatever, there are a bunch of connected themes and motifs and figures. For example, let's think about the archetype of RuPaul. If someone were to ask you what, you know, RuPaul contained, you might say not not just the person, but just what does RuPaul as an essence contain? You might say glamour, expression, authenticity, self-love, community, power, voice, joy, laughter, colorfulness. Then say you have like a show or something coming up. This is what I do before performances. I will sit there and if I'm nervous or having some kind of feelings or whatever, I will embody the archetype of Rue. Basically call Rue in and step into her container. In her container, in her role, in her person, in my head, she stands tall in her heels, in her pleaser heels. She takes no shit. She flaunts it. She owns it. And she swirls around the pole with so much bravado. Rue is very Lilithian. (laughs) We can do this with goddesses too. And in witchcraft, that is exactly what we do. We study different goddesses and what their archetypes contain. And we work with them to manipulate the energy to further our intentions. I hope this is making sense. Archetypes provide a human map to navigate and better understand our lives. They activate deep creativity within us. Young is quoted as saying, if you put yourself into the icon, the icon will speak to you. It has a magic effect. That's what this is. In other words, if you engage with the archetype, it will reveal its message to you. In this way, working with an archetype like Rue or Lilith before I get on stage is even more than just embodying her. It's allowing her wisdom to come through me and guide me in whatever I'm doing, whatever routine I'm doing or etc. There are several techniques and models for engaging with archetypes. Psychologists do this often and witches do this often through meditation and spell work. You do not need to be a witch, like I've said many times, to work with an archetype. Although I'll I'll say it before and I'll say it again. If you're a feminist, I consider you a witch. (laughs) Don't care what gender you are. Meditation is a great way to start. I often find meditations for whatever archetype I'm hoping to work with before I do any kind of spell work. But if you're ready to bring out the Lilith in yourself or use her energy, 
energy and her archetype to further your own goals, the best place to start, in my opinion, is meditation. From there, you can use her correspondences and witchcraft. Correspondences mean things like things in nature that are aligned with whatever goddess or archetype you're trying to call forward. For example, like if it's Venus, you use roses uh, for the sun tarot card. If you're trying to call in, you know, the energy of the sun tarot card, it could be sunflowers, etc. I'll cover a few here. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me. I will be happy to walk you through the, you know, all the in-depth correspondences. But make sure you develop a relationship with Lilith before you invoke her into your space. Uh, You could dedicate some of your creative energies to Lilith through poetry, dance, art, or, you know, flower arrangement. Then if you get comfortable, you could start doing some spell work, create an altar for Lilith. You can use black or red candles, mirrors, images of her correspondences. You can offer her red wine or naturally red pigmented herbal teas. Uh, you could also do pomegranate juice. Um, this is I'm a big red wine drinker. The, actually, Lilith is one of the reasons why. But uh, you could also do pomegranate juice. I've done that before. Cranberry juice is fine. Beware of any animals in your household. If you decide to do these altars with various crystals and um, flowers and uh, herbs and all of that, some of them can be very lethal. So do some research beforehand. If you're going to be working with these, uh, make sure that they are not toxic to your little pets. If they are, you can always print out a picture um, or, you know, whatever pull it up on your phone or I would not use screens, but you can if you're desperate, pull it up on your phone, do your spell work um, that way as well. That works just as well. Um, Yeah. Okay. So Lilith's food uh, correspondences then are apples, pomegranates, red wine, chocolate, anything rich and sumptuous, just luxurious textures and aromas. Her colors are black and red for her darkness and her sensuality. It's no surprise that uh, her presence is felt in mugwort, patchouli, rose and nightshade. Her Crystal correspondences are onyx, obsidian, black moonstone, and jet. There's one that I actually use when I work with Lilith. It's garnet. Um, garnet is actually a really deep red. It's deeper than ruby, um, and it's a very Lilith- Lilithian um, stone. I it's my wedding ring. It's I have gigantic garnet uh, crystals all over my apartment in various spots to call in Lilith. So that's another one. You can also include Lilith symbols on your altar, owls, snakes, the night, everything nocturnal, including the new dark moon is associated with Lilith. She's also associated with fear and alchemizing that fear into um you know, progress and action. Um, And I don't usually recommend baneful magic or dark magic unless you really know what you're doing, but you can use Lilith. uh, You know, you can resort to calling in Lilith for curses and hexes. I've mentioned it earlier. You can use sex magic. Um, The Queen of Night is very fond of that. Lilith loves sex magic. It's also very powerful. So and hard to undo. So um, just go slow. (laughs) She would be she would be very, uh, very proud of you for going slow and going outside of your your comfort zone here. Okay, but don't do anything you don't want to do. (laughs) That's one thing I would say. Okay, so um, really quickly, I wanted to get into the moon association with Lilith as well, because if you do want to work with Lilith, especially closely, the best way is to work with the moon. She is the moon goddess, um, and she also helps with menstruation, fertility, blood, and natural cycles. So the optimum time to, um, to work with her is during the dark moon phase, late at night, which is right before the new moon. It's basically like... 
like the day before the new moon. Um, that's that that late at night is when you could do this spell work is what I would recommend. There's an astrological and mathematical point also in the cosmos that's devoted to Lilith. Uh, it's called the black moon Lilith. Everyone has this in their chart. It's the darkest point of the moon. As I mentioned, the dark moon, like a couple days before the, like a day before the new moon. And it's an isolation from the earth within its orbit. In resemblance to our character, it represents our rebellious side in our chart, as well as our kinks and our desires. As I've mentioned uh, before, the moon rep represents the feminine and the mother. There's so much depth and darkness and illuminated light within her nature, even though she is dark. The moon encompasses also that transformation, the consistent cycle of birth and death and rebirth. So this is Lilith. She relives creation and destruction without fail. At the same time, she holds the Earth's waters in constant flow. She revisits the continual state of renewal and loss and her strength is exquisite. In these phases, the representation of Lilith stays at in the darkest point of our depths. It signifies our rawest form, my love, repressed emotions, primitive impulses, and our oppressed sexual desire. This is sexual liberation 101, right? It's a place where light can never reach, but liberation lives. That sounds pretty hot, right? It is. Trust me, babes. If you're looking for some spiciness in your life, in your love life, in your sex life, Lilith is it, my love. She's intoxicating. So intoxicating, in fact, that she pops up in pop culture all the time. My favorite iteration of her is Netflix's uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And she's played brilliantly by, by Michelle Gomez. They call her Madame Satan. And she's not just a demon. She's the first witch who made a pact with the devil after she was cast from Eden. It's an interesting spin on the Lilith lore, because once again, in this this show, she's relying on a man for her power. But her journey in the series is realizing, like most of the women on the show, that she doesn't need the Dark Lord or any man to be powerful. On the show Supernatural, Lilith is the first demon released from hell and on a mission to free Lucifer throughout seasons three and four, which aired around 2007 to 2009. In contrast to her mythological role, though, as the killer of children in Supernatural, she shows up possessing child who kills people and tortures their family. The Lilith on Supernatural is not really the Lilith that I've outlined during this podcast episode. Um, so it's I think it's something that the real Lilith would scoff at. Also in True Blood, there were a couple episodes around 2012 and 2013 where once again, Lilith was the first vampire and she was very powerful. Um, but once again, all of her stories revolved around men. First Warlow and then Bill Compton. Um, Bill even became her new vessel, which they called Billeth. And that's when I stopped watching it. And again, the story wasn't really about her so much as it was about the men around her. So again, very un-Lilith-like. And then um, you might have remembered if you're a 90s kid, you might have remembered Lilith Fair, which was a traveling feminist music festival created by Sarah McLaughlin. The festival gained popularity and support by promoting only female musicians and standing up to the male-dominated music industry. Lilith Fair, for so many people, was transformational and an affirming moment for women in music and culture. It became kind of a punchline for mis misogynists, but it was a really important moment in music history and in feminism, and it was true a true embodiment of Lilith's spirit. So in closing, if you call yourself a feminist, and I'm willing to bet you do, my love, if you're listening to this, you are a nonconformist. You're demonized. You take on horrible titles, but you are given power by those who oppose you and aim to oppress and silence you the most. And that's the Lilithian power. If there is one thing we can take from a Lilith archetype, especially in this post-Roe world where Republicans are trying to do everything they can to make us quiet and meek and compliant, taking away like no fault divorce and paid family leave and all that bullshit, the act of survival and the essence of thriving is your truest nature. And that 
is an act of rebellion that would make Lilith proud. That's it for this week, my love. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful you joined us. Once again, if you are not signed up for Reclaiming the Newsletter, please do. You can sign up at the website, reclaimeffingeverything.com. And don't forget to go to Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening. Give this podcast a five-star rating and review. It helps me so much. Let's just say no to those tech bro algorithms. (laughs) Next time you're feeling a little rebellious, sticking it to any man, hexing the patriarchy, think about Lilith. You don't even need to be a wish or do spell work. Just ask yourself what she would do and do it because you're powerful, more powerful than you know, more powerful than the patriarchy wants you to know. The darkness is where your untapped power lies, your untapped sexuality, which we know is your power, your untapped femininity, your untapped strength and confidence. You are so much more powerful than you know, my love. Be yourself because yourself is the most alluring version of you available, especially if she's dark. Until next week, my loves, I love you so much and girl fucking power. 